Hello and welcome to Ascend Higher, the podcast of True Freedom Trust. We're a UK-based charity that holds to the historic Christian understanding of what the Bible teaches about sex and relationships. We provide teaching, pastoral support and conferences, as well as local support groups. Each quarter, we produce a magazine called Ascend with a range of articles, reviews and personal stories all dealing with the issues about what it's like to be a Christian attracted to others of the same sex. You can sign up to receive your free copy of Ascend by visiting our website truefreedomtrust.co.uk. For the autumn edition of Ascend, Donald, our Chair of Trustees, reviewed the 2018 film Boy Erased. For this podcast, I also wanted to hear the voice of one of our parent members. So Peter joined us having watched the film with his wife Barbara. Peter is the father of a gay son himself, and in our conversation he reflected on his own journey, both as a father and as a Christian, of how he learned to love his son when his son came out as gay. Let's listen in. So Donald and Peter, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Let me briefly introduce this film, Boy Erased, just for the benefit of anyone listening who's not seen it yet. So Boy Erased is an account of a young man's experience of what is commonly called conversion therapy. The film was released in 2018, and it's proved to be quite an influential contribution to the debate around conversion therapy. It's based on a book called Boy Erased, a memoir, written by author and activist Garrard Conley. And it sets out his experiences in 2014 at a program called Love in Action, which was a residential program based in Tennessee in in America. This program was designed for Christians facing same-sex attractions. And the idea was that it was focused on changing the sexual orientation of the participants, what would now be commonly thought of as conversion therapy. So the author of the book, Gerard Conley, and the film's director, Joel Edgerton, they're clear that the book and the film support this campaign for a ban on conversion therapy. And uh, so it tells a lot of the story of Garrard Conley himself, but in the film, Garrard is represented by the young man called Jared. So let's just look at initially at kind of how you both experienced the film. Donald, you wrote in your review in Ascend magazine of this film that you were surprised how unsettled the film made you feel. Actually, I don't think you slept the night after watching it. So I'm wondering, what was it, Donald, about the film that was so disturbing for you? Well, thanks, Stuart. Uh, I was taken aback at how the film made me feel. Um, I wasn't expecting such a strong emotional reaction, so it took me a while to unpick it. And I think there were two things. The first thing, I was worried, thinking, you know, this film shows really harsh treatment that, Supposedly, there's a Christians uh, making a Christian response to people struggling with their sexuality, and yet the approach they take seems really harsh and unloving. And my ha- fear was that maybe this is what people are going to assume that we're up to at TFT. And I thought, if this is what people think we're up to at TFT, this is uh, really worrying. And then when I thought through my reaction a little bit more, 
I realized that just some of the particular attitudes that were expressed in the film uh, around masculinity and around uh, some approaches that were quite bullying activated just some of my own issues that I'd had to deal with previously in, in therapy, but maybe then been able to tuck away around bullying and being shouted at. And so it was quite a triggering, I suppose, would be the modern word, uh, experience to watch for me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I agree, uh, Wolf, with everything that um, uh, Donald says. And also, I'd, I also thought to myself, I thought, gosh, I, I really, it was quite it was quite painful to watch at times. And I think if you think of my own son, I think, gosh, I could ne- even, despite what I believe in the scriptures, I could never do that to him. <laughs> well, literally, I know the, the Bible bashing thing was a, was an added thing i believe wasn't it although it may have happened and and i'm sure it still does happen in some churches and uh, particularly in america i'm sure they they do those kind of extreme uh you know practices i suppose but uh, yeah it was a it was a difficult film to watch at times i have to say and and didn't i suppose it wasn't it was made from a secular people making it so it would not put christianity in a very good light as a lot of these films do um, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I, um, yeah, I, I, I found it quite well. We, we, sorry, we, my wife and I found it quite, uh, quite hard at times. Yeah, could and took well as a fill out later from our own experiences because unfortunately we can resonate with some of the thought processes of the Love Action Program and also the parents. Yeah, thank you both. And and Peter, you and your wife Barbara, you your parents of a gay son and I don't think the, the parents in the film come out very well do they in terms of they come across as quite judgmental and they you know they push their son into this program um, yeah. so that kind of sounds like that kind of obviously it sounds like the way that you um you know that you kind of responded to your son was obviously different but it sounds like it kind of stirred up memories perhaps for you yeah um I think in before we ever had any uh, come across TFT, um, and when we did, uh, uh, I can sort of mention some about that later. Maybe I don't know. Um, that the um, which, which in one hour I've listened to the original uh, founder uh, Martin Hallett and a marquee completely changed our lives and and um, our view on biblical a biblical view and homosexuality. You know, taking the two and, and living our own way of interpreting it and also treating others you know was was changed at that moment um and yeah uh, i i think fortunately for us i think in a way that when matthew did come out in 2007 i think it was yeah um we had already had contact with tft as i say then and then of course when he did well barbara phoned up and she actually spoke to martin funny enough he answered the phone and from then on we had support quite early on but if, well, from the original uh, meeting in the 90s, that one hour, um, which I'll expand on later, uh, it, it had already opened the gates of, of, for us to say we need to respond in a, in a loving way, uh, not a condemnatory way. Um, and the first thing I did was um, put my arms around him and just said him I loved him. You know? Um, but we did say that we... We need um, we will need time to process all that information um, and process it from our own biblical uh, faith as well, you know, because it's something we need to sort of check out and um, uh, you know 
build on ourselves, you know, uh, and, and make sure we we don't um, throw out condemnation and and also Bible bash with 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 the Bible's lyrics. You know what I mean? Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Peter and and Donald too. So it kind of brings us on. I mean, Donald, you've you've already referred to sort of how it touched on your own experiences of bullying. And um, I felt one of the themes that was quite strong in the film was um, shame. Jared clearly feels a pressure to conform to the expectation that he would have a girlfriend. And it's only, you know, some extreme circumstances in the film that finally force him to tell his parents. As the pastor's son, there's a sense that the revelation of his sexuality has brought shame on the family, maybe compromises the pastor's position so it kind of raises this question here can jared's father both love his son and continue to love the bible and lead his church so i was wondering if either of you you know resonated with that theme of shame in the film either in terms of your own emerging sexuality or being told but that your child was gay uh yeah i i um was very ashamed of my sexuality when um, it, it sort of appeared or as I discovered as a teenager at school, uh, I, I was at an all boys boarding school. It wasn't where well, it's an extremely hostile environment to any suggestion of gayness. And so naturally I felt a great deal of shame. Interestingly, that, that didn't come from my family, my family, not Christians. Uh, and that didn't come from the Christians. And, as I've written in in my article in this end, I'm sort of the other way around. The the church and the scripture union and and the Lord, I suppose, as well in my relationship with Him, were where I found acceptance, not condemnation. So that's an area where I feel really really different from Jared's experience. But yes, the one of the, one of the films that themes that the film is quite clear to to make is that. Jared does go to the Love in Action program voluntarily. But what the film also portrays is that the environment he's in, because of the expectations on him as a young Christian man, uh, you know, girlfriend, marriage, children, uh, working in his dad's firm, uh, you know, going to his dad's church, are so claustrophobic that the freedom of choice that he appears to be being given isn't really genuine, isn't really real. And I've read some of Gerard Conley's, the author's comments on the book and the film, and he's even clearer in his additional comments that one of the biggest issues for his father in knowing whether he could accept a gay son was to do with the damage it might do to his reputation as the leader of the church. Um, and that's really sad to hear because uh, our Heavenly Father hangs out with all kinds of sinners, namely us, all the time. And to have the leader of a church struggle to wonder whether his own son, being another ordinary sinner like everybody else, uh, could be acceptable in the church or that being associated with him would in some way damage his own reputation or indeed that his own reputation was the most important thing about the church and his own life. All of those things are quite sad uh, to see. And they obviously limit Jared's freedom, even though he goes to the program voluntarily at the time. Yeah, I, I think, um, well, when Matthew first told us, I mean, I suppose 
I don't remember thinking of the word shame, but I, I dare say that would may have been in the back of my mind and or, or, or confusion as well. And also, where do we go from here? How do we? Because prior to that, to say from the first meeting we we had in that marquee, uh, listening to Martin was uh, we had like most people I think in the church very little um, real in depth knowledge of same sex attraction and the Bible. It's all Leviticus, Corinthians, and blah, blah. Push out, push out those narratives, say, you shouldn't do this, we're condemning you. What I've learned over the last 10, 15 years is that, which seems rather obvious, but it isn't, that uh, I'll use the terms heterosexual and things like that, because we don't know what talking about, but and even Christians, and even not Christians, but Christian uh, pair, um, uh, couples, singles, who have no con- con- contact with uh in their families of, of same-sex attraction, um, forget that they too are tempted sexually, uh, you know, married couples of us and, and others, even Christians, we still have sexual temptation of a, a different kind, but it's there. And they seem to forget that. They seem to think that there's no, they, they've got no sexual temptation problems at all. Mm-hmm. I've learned that they have, and just as many, and just as heavy, just as bad, whatever terms you want to use. Uh, but, uh, what I've what I've always found now is that, and we in the past and still is today that the, the same sex attraction one is seen as the, the dirty word. And either you say put your hand up and say I, 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 I apologize for some the terminology I'm using, but it's just a descriptive thing. That's like in some churches it's almost a case of no homo here, or they'll sweep it under the carpet. Let's don't talk about it. You know, just sit in the yeah. corner, be quiet. You know, and that's that's what I've learned over the years, and the thing that I will now rally against. You know, if anybody can talk to me about that, then I don't want to give them short shit, but I just say, well, hang on a minute. You know, we're all we're all um, mm-hmm. se- tempted to do sexual things, even if it's in thought or we see a lovely woman or whatever it is. The the temptation is there all the time for all of us. You know, so and I've you know now learned that same sex attraction is no different in its sexual temptation than for anybody else. That's where I stand on it now anyway. And I think that comes out quite strongly in the film that Jared's dad clearly has such a strong reaction to the fact that it's his son having struggles with same-sex attraction rather than, for example, uh, Jared has a girlfriend called Chloe. And you sort of feel that if Jared had turned up and said, oh, Chloe's pregnant, you know I've got her pregnant that the dad would have been disappointed but he would have coped whereas what you almost see in Jared's father is a panic that leads him to take these extreme measures of sending his son off to be fixed in the program and so I really resonate there with what Peter's saying is that often the church has been guilty of this idea that you know we can cope with sex outside marriage so long as it's between a boy and a girl but as soon as the gay word is mentioned we're, we're in a state and it's suddenly much worse and it's a disaster and you have that horrible sense that when Jared is outed to his family because it's not voluntary and that that also you can can sort of feel how hard that is for him uh, but you have that sense of Jared's world imploding in a way that Obviously, it's a significant thing for his dad, but the world doesn't need to end. And the the way that sort of Christian response of, oh, my goodness, this is the most awful thing that could happen. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine who's not a Christian 
but from a, a conservative family who are conservative in, in a political sense. They said when he came out to them, oh, we're going to, you know, it's just like you've told us you've got leukemia. And I, I, that sort of thing, that sort of extreme response is, is just awful for, for um, the, the, the young adults looking for acceptance with their parents to hear. And that comes across, I think, quite strongly in the film. It, it isn't just the conversion therapy, uh, but it's the fact that even some way down the line in, in the part of the film that's pre- presented as a partial resolution at the end, uh, Jared's dad is still not able to say, I love you, whatever happens. Uh, he, he really struggles. He can't get past uh, seeing his son as a dreaded homosexual, as it were. That's not, not the words he uses. Does um, that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, thank you. That's, uh, yeah. There's some good reflections from both of you. Thank you. I mean, the whole thing about you know sending the son off to, to be fixed sort of brings us on to a... I think another theme in the film, which is the abuse of power. And, and that, that kind of that time in the film quite early on where Jared comes out to his parents and then the other church leaders are summoned to the house to discuss his case. Um, yes, he does have the, yeah, he has to kind of agree to it, but he's clearly felt cornered. Like he doesn't have much option, but to go along to this residential program um, the implication is otherwise, you know, he's basically, you know, not welcome in the family anymore. Yes, his father says um, before a few paragraphs before saying to Jared, "Are you willing to go?" In a in a few frames that would be understood as Jared giving his consent, but a few frames before he says, "I can't see a way for you to stay in this family in your job." because he works with his father and in this home, if Mm. you're going to live against God's word. And that isn't giving Jared a choice. Um, Exactly. So, so then Jared um, gets taken by his mother actually to the program and all the participants are young people. And then the whole program is led by older men with quite strong, forceful personalities um, the process of him being taken into this program is is quite um, you know, difficult. His private notebooks are taken away and scrutinised. Pages that are deemed inappropriate are, are ripped out. His phone is taken away. So he's kind of stripped of his something of his dignity as soon as he arrives. Um, I was wondering, Peter. You know, what what are your thoughts as a parent for how? you know, how parents of a gay child can help their children to feel respected and that their parents' views and preferences are not just imposed upon them. Mm. Uh, I, I think in, in, our, in our situation, well, you could say it's fortunate. Or not. I mean, we did, right, as I say, right from the word go, decided that, you know, obviously we're not going to uh, condemn him um, and, um, uh, and and love him through it, and 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 for, and for our own sake as well, because um, you know we we didn't quite know what to do. Well, I, I, I just you know I'll say this now: our our experience of change, because we we had similar thought processes to the parents and the program, but not in the in a violent manner. But we certainly had back in the we came to Christ in eighty nine. Uh, we used to regularly go to Spring Harvest in the mid nineties with the church we were at then, and. Um, 
but our thoughts about same-sex from biblical was, you know, it was was a kind of condemnatory manner using Leviticus, blah, blah, you know, it was, you shouldn't do this, you know. So we had a kind of blind side as to, you know, it was, it was, homosexuality was really serious and it was the worst, you know, we did have that mindset at that time. But on a, as you do at TFT, on the, on the Saturday afternoon on one of these um, spring harvests, we uh, we were looking at the, the there was some hour long thing, it was around four or five o'clock in the evening before dinner. And we were looking through the list of things that they were on. And there was just the one we looked at, so focus on was homosexuality by Martin Hallett. So we went into the marquee and did it, it was a question answer thing with him and a lady called Fran Beckett, who I think was quite high in the sort of Christian world in uh, some organization in London, I think. And we went in there with the idea that we were going to get some knowledge of how to continue our thought process, you know, training in the scriptures, you know, how to deal, deal with homosexuality. We came out of there uh, well and truly, well, spanked by the Lord, if you like. Uh, we, would, we both came out and said, what on earth happened in that tent? We're a totally different person. In fact, Barbara, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Barbara used a, a very... Um, uh, Oh, I've forgotten the word she used now. It'll come to me. Uh, but we, we came out of there totally and utterly changed uh, from our thought process. And from then on, it's taken, it took a while. But of course, once Matthew came out then in 2007, we had already had that experience with TFT. We knew where to go to start getting the, our support and how we were to deal with it as parents or from a Christian perspective. So we did never start talking to Matthew. And um, I asked the word, Barbara years, she said, after we came out of that tent, we were rescued. Mm. We were rescued. I thought that was an absolutely wonderful word, because we were literally rescued from our original thought process into a thought process that God knew we would need in 10 years' time. And, and isn't, isn't that time. amazing of God to, to do it in that yeah. order? When, when, yeah. you, when you were telling your story a minute ago, I thought you must have the dates the wrong way around, because it never happens. Uh, before people need it and uh, I just that's such a blessing from God that you as you said you've been helped to understand before you needed it um, yeah it, it was it's incredible I did, obviously at the time we didn't know that but of course 10 years later sure. we thought, gosh yeah. there we are we went to we went to the, the right the only thing we focused on was that that particular uh, talk what was going to happen that afternoon and in fact when when the spring harvest of another incident happened uh, there's a there's a at Skegness there's a petrol station about half a mile up the road or so not far went to get some fuel Martin Hallett was there uh, filling his car up I just walked over to him virtually in tears and said thank you so much for you know opening our eyes and changing our lives for, in, in, on this subject you know it was just it was a you know it was a moment a real moment and as I say we he God knew that we'd need it in ten years time and sure enough we did uh, but we and I blessed think that we were given a foundation to start with before we were told, which was <laughs> a real help. It really yeah. was, you know, but we, we talked about it with Matthew. This He's now with, well, kind of in a relationship. It's a bit uh, too difficult to explain, but, um, and we just deal with, we've always, but what we've always done is spoken openly with him about him and about our faith, you know, and he's, he's got no problem. He said, I don't want you to give up God. He said, for me, you know, it's a, it's a, so we just have an adult growing up conversation with it, carry on loving one another. And that's about all the best you can do, really. You know, um, Barbara always says, she said, I, the thing that obviously grates on me is his, um, because if it's not him, her to decide, of course, but she says, you know, I, I want him to be saved, you know, and, mm. and that's the thing that is painful to her, you know. Yes. 
well, both of us, you know. No, but great, as Don has said, that um, that God was able to equip you uh, in readiness for his coming out. I think often it's when parents... when parents initially respond, it's often out of a, a, sort of, a sort of shock and they often say things that they don't necessarily really mean, but it's it's coming out of a place of just not being prepared. So that's wonderful yeah. that God had prepared your hearts and minds in advance. And going back to your question a moment ago about power, Stuart, uh, there's so much reassurance hearing Peter talking about having an adult conversation with his son because the other thing that's really evident in the film is Jarrett's 18 at the time the film takes place, I think, or thereabouts, he's certainly an adult, and he isn't included. The, the elders are summoned by his father, and Jared is sort of presented with this plan. And it's not only that the power imbalance is all, all incorrect, but he's not even asked what he thinks. And it's that sense that Jared himself is excluded and um, sort of managed rather than being loved. Yeah, yeah, that was that. I I remember that bit, and I was just sort of almost not shouting at the chief, but saying, "Go and talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just include him in the conversation." You know, for, for goodness' sake. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the kind of that whole power imbalance is just mm. this is being done to him, and he doesn't have a Correct. voice. It's uh, very very strong. And, and I think that flows into what you see at the program. The program is something that is done to people rather than. I would understand all any therapeutic approach, uh, whether it be conversion therapy that we wouldn't endorse or, or whether it could be listening therapy, but it begins with listening and there's no sign of anyone listening. The love and action program. And, and Donald, you, in your opening comments, you made some reference to bullying, at, you know, an all boys school in your own experience. I was wondering if you've got any thoughts on how we can make our churches safe and supportive places for people grappling with their own sexualities? Uh, yeah, I think the scene in the film where the Love in Action programme takes them off to go and do things that are supposedly masculine um, is actually almost, I mean, it's, it's vicious and bullying, as is everything else, but it's also comical because it, the idea that by standing in an A shape, suddenly you can become more masculine at this might then it reflect your sexuality. are things that, I really hope we've moved away from. So I think in terms of, of gender and feeling accepted, it's really important that churches uh, don't, for example, have a men's group that is something that just watches football or drinks beer. We we actually have a place in our men's group for men who are not stereotypically men. And we have a um, space in our women's work for women who are not stereotypically women. So I think that's a, a, a big step forward. And then in terms of sexuality, I think there are all sorts of uh, shapes, uh, all, all sorts of strategies. Uh, I have said before when I wrote for Ascend that I don't think that uh, silence is particularly helpful. It can leave people feeling bewildered about what the position of the church and of their church is. And that can leave people being unsure whether they're accepted or not. So I do think some teaching on the issue of sexuality, but that should be sexuality as a whole, not just focusing on gay relationships and gay sexuality as though that's a particular problem. And I think 
where it's possible, acknowledging and having invisible leadership, people who are not a man and a woman married with 2.4 children. Uh, so having that plurality of, uh, you know, there are people who are married, there are people who are single, there are many people in our communities who have broken relationships. How can we uh, not only make them feel welcome, but show that they're welcome? Uh, not compromising biblical teaching, of course, that's not what I mean, but, but making those people visible enough that somebody who comes to the church that doesn't fit the standard mold wouldn't be sitting on a chair thinking, am I going to fit in here? That's what I think is most important. Thank you. Yeah, that's really, really good wisdom there. Um, I couldn't disagree with that. I think it's, it, uh, I, yeah, everything of that is, is what I would think, you know, most every church should, should do, but we, we fail miserably, unfortunately, too often, you know. Well, we're, we're all a bit messed up, so mm. it, it's hard. Mm. And, and I, I have times when the problem is with me. I'm happy to blame the church and say I don't fit in. But there are times when, you know, you don't want to do the work yourself. You're building relationships, friendships, community in church is hard work. And um, because we're broken, we tend to needle one another. And uh, what we can then do is withdraw, go off in a half, get stuck in lack of forgiveness and then the relationships are damaged rather than being built. Uh, so it's hard work on everybody's side. And um, David McInnes, who was the rector at St. Aldate's in Oxford, he used to say, people come to me and say, I'm lonely, what shall I do? And he'd say, go to the supermarket, buy food, and invite five people for dinner. And that's, that's hard, and it's harsh, but it's also true. Um, and and uh, David would have been the first person to be inviting five people for dinner as well. Uh, but that it, it, it is not just down to the church to serve us. We're, we're part of that body and that family, and we need to uh, make the play. And as, as somebody with gay issues myself, sometimes you need to teach your church because actually they don't know what to do, and they're scared of doing the wrong thing. They don't want to hurt you. That comes from a really compassionate place. And so sometimes you need to say to them, actually, do you know what? This is what I need from my congregation my church family uh, and that thing you said it wasn't very helpful you probably didn't realize but can I just point out and so we can all help one another by communicating well and expressing our needs clearly and then trying to work together to fulfill one another's uh, you know what we need from the family of God yeah thank you Donald let me just uh, move on to one more sort of scene from the film it's a particularly disturbing one and I, I think this is actually thankfully a, a fictitious um scene but there's a, a young participant called Cameron who uh whose family gets invited along uh, to one one session and he's actually physically hit with um a bible and is you know shouted at and, and told to sort of choose between the bible and and, and death and it's, it's quite a horrifying scene and I just wondered um, although that has, didn't actually happen in practice, it's not based on sort of that real experience. I wonder if it's a, a bit of a metaphor for how churches um, can be in danger of using the words of the Bible to attack people. Mm-hmm. So just wondering if either of you think there's any lessons for us at TFT and how we apply the words of the Bible 
um, to people who come to TFT. Obviously, we want to speak truth, but kind of, are we are we Bible bashing? Are we applying those words in a hurtful way? Yeah, I I think as I said from from before, you know, we we were in a mindset of 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 before um, you know the Martin Hallett incident, if you want to call it that, um, of wanting to use the scripture in a more forceful condemnatory manner for particularly homosexuality um, rather than using it as more of a loving but you know just say look this is what it says but you know and this is how we're supposed to live our lives all of us not just you we too have to I think talking to people and saying that you must also include yourself in the in the temptation uh, you know, uh, look, it, it applies to you in your respect, but it applies to me as well in my respect because I am just as broken, I am just as tempted, and you're no different to me. It's a different type of temptation, but it's the same. It's the same result in the end. We need to, you know, look at scripture, live as close as we can by it as best we can. You know, with God's help, and He helps us. And um, uh, well, that's it. You know, it's not separating same sex out from everything else, which is what we've done for centuries and, and churches are still doing today, unfortunately. I think the other problem I was going to say just now when you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, making people welcome, and I think the added problem now is, or pressure now is, of course, people in churches may be afraid to say or do certain things because of the uh, the microscope from LGBT um, lobbies, Stonewall, etc., now being extra. And even from, in my opinion, the enemy within, the likes of Steve Chalk and Jane Ozan, who are, you know, they were pushing for the fact that you, Donald, couldn't come to me and say, look, I just need some prayer. I'm having a bit of a sticky time. Could you pray with me so that I don't? How is that conversion therapy? You know, so we're under all that pressure now. And I think the church is, is a little bit fearful now as well. as all not, not quite sure how to do it. They've got the added pressure of the LGBT secular lobby, um, you know, bearing down, possibly bearing down on them if they're not careful, which is yes. rather sad in a way. And the TFT view thinking about scripture is always grace and truth. Mm. And the problems with scripture where you get the Bible bashing, uh, which we might, by which we might mean um, using words to uh, scripture and particular verses to attack another person or, or condemn them. The problem occurs when you take particular bits out uh, of the Bible and take them out of context. And the whole point of learning the Bible and understanding and living the Bible as a Christian is that it must encompass all of it. So it encompasses the bits that say, neither do I condemn you, as Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery. But it also encompasses the verse, go and sin no more. Yeah. And the mistake we make all the time is to is to pick one verse out and separate it from the other bit that goes with it that contextualizes it and you can get that with people as you were saying Stuart sort of verbally bashing people over the head a man will not lie with a woman as with a man uh, it, sorry a man as with a woman this is an abomination uh, without the you know close yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Um, but you can get it the other way around with people saying, oh, God is love. 
therefore gay love is self-authenticating before the Lord and how could the Lord possibly disagree with it? Uh, and then you end up in, in the liberal perspective. And that's what's absolutely critical is we have to learn how to hold the truths of the Lord, some of which are hard and costly to follow, with the grace of the Lord, which is always wonderful and always unconditional. And we have to try and hold those together in our lives as Christians. And that is extremely difficult at times. But we run into real trouble when we don't bother, either when we chuck out the truth because it's too difficult or when, for various different reasons, we chuck out the grace and just stand with condemnation and uh, uh, an unthinking truth, if you like, and an uncaring truth. It's uh, uh, it was some, uh, not changed, but I don't use well, I don't use them. They're, all those passages are there in the scriptures about you know the say Corinthians, everything. But um, well, must have been one of his last thoughts when our pre- previous leader director, I've got his surname, Jonathan. What was his Barry. surname? I forgot. Barry. Barry, Jonathan Barry. Um, he had to step in at the last minute to a talk because of the speaker had gone downhill a day or two before. I can't remember who it was or when it was. But his opening salvo on, on, on that day was after a few minutes was that, you know, he said, people ask me, what passage in the Bible do you use to, you know, highlight same sex? And he said, is it Leviticus, a Corinthian Bible? He said, no, he said, I go back further than that. He said to Genesis 2, God made them man and woman. I thought I sort of thought that about it for me. I thought, gosh, yeah, that that is actually where you should go, right to the beginning. God made a man and woman. I don't know how would you deal with that? But I mean, that that for me is was quite high up. I've never forgotten it, and I thought that is better than, as you say, bashing people with all the other out of context as well often. Um, and and it is true. You don't need to actually smack somebody over the back physically with a Bible. You can hurt them probably more so by using words incorrectly and insensitively. Uh, you know, we, we all know we've done it. I've, I've probably done it in my past, you know, to, to people. People probably don't to me. You know, you only say one word or two words the wrong way round, received a different way, you know, and it can be extremely yes. hurtful. So, you know. and, and we've done a lot of work in the TFT website and in some of our articles working specifically to be careful that we don't create unnecessary offence. Uh, I mean, people sometimes talk about the gospel itself is offensive to non-Christians in the sense that um, it says that only through Christ can we be saved. Uh, but we don't need to make it worse than that, if you see what I mean. And we've done a lot of work just to try and be really careful about our language. And I think this is one of those areas where by not thinking very carefully about the words that you use, you can inadvertently or in t- unintentionally cause a lot of damage and a lot of pain uh, and so we spend a lot of time looking at our articles on ascend and podcasts and stuff uh, to just try and make sure that we don't uh, speak carelessly uh, and wound people unintentionally that way yeah yeah thank you very much um now we've talked touched a little bit now on some of the pressure that we feel at, at tft and some some of the ways people see us and i know that one or two people who don't agree with what we stand for and what we do have actually sent us you know oh you know you should go and watch boy erase because that will make you rethink what you're doing but what we what we need to kind of keep telling people is no no we don't offer or endorse conversion therapy um donald you make the point that some some people in in europe 
review, some people might imagine that what they see in this film is what we're doing at TFT. I just wonder what you would say to anyone who wondered whether that was the case or not. Um, I would first of all say we don't do conversion therapy. Uh, we understand that to be uh, therapy or anything that's involved in trying to change somebody's orientation from gay to straight, to use the uh, usual terms in the way they normally uh, normally understood. Um, but I would draw a bigger distinction to the film as well. And I wrote a little bit about this in my article is the, the bit that really shocked me in the film is that all of the Christian qualities that we would see, so not just the theology, which uh, was warped that they were using in Love and Action, not just the way they're mangling some quite good therapy techniques into something that's really sort of abusive. Um, but what we would want to see from Christians is compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, the modelling and embodying of acceptance and love for people where they're at. And that is all completely absent in the film. And that's one of the things that makes it so shocking and so difficult to watch. And I'm not going to say we've never made a mistake or said a wrong word in TFT at all. But I would hope that anyone who has come to any of our events or spoken to one of our voluntary workers would have seen something and experienced something that is very, very different. Uh, we train all of our voluntary workers. We are clear about the fact that we don't consider orientation change as a goal. And we're clear that that conversion therapy is not something we offer. But we're also clear that we expect people to li listen compassionately, uh, to treat people with humility and compassion and respect. And a great deal of what we do is listening and not talking. And we don't do any of these things uh, like, you know, trying to teach people to stand in a more masculine way, and things like that. And, and nor would we, because we've read what the Apostle Paul writes, which is these rules have the appearance of wisdom with their harsh treatment of the body, things like do not touch. And this is what you see in Love in Action. They're trying to control people into a pattern of behavior. Whereas what we believe is our relationship with the Lord is one in which we're fundamentally accepted. And as we grow in life, this is through inward change, not outward change that's imposed from outside. Um, so these are all ways in which I think uh, TFT is different. And uh, the other thing that I think is important to point out is there's quite a lot of secrecy in the Love in Action program that comes across quite, quite strongly in the film. Uh, we have a fundamental commitment of confidentiality towards our clients. But beyond that, as far as we can, we're really open and transparent about what we're doing and what we're not doing. Our policies are available for scrutiny. Uh, we don't have anything to hide. And if, if people wanted to hear about our work, we'd be really happy to be open about that because we're not ashamed of it. Yeah, I, that, that's, that's the crux of me. I, I, you, 
it's about uh, being open and showing that you're not hiding anything because then people won't look so hard. I'm not saying they don't look hard, but I mean, they won't start looking for things that aren't there. Think, oh, I know they think they're hiding something. We better better dig a bit deeper. But I think the problem now is, of course, I've never, ever got, uh, would have said that TFT uh, approach uh, anything towards um, conversion therapy. It's nothing like it. But course we have say so that added problem that the secular same sex world are change move the goalposts or trying to to so that any kind of voluntary uh wanting to live your life in a celibate manner for the sake of scripture is you now class as conversion therapy so that's where the waters have now got muddied even for the churches and tft uh well no we they're not muddied for us we're not muddied on it but they have muddied the waters, tried to muddy the waters for us, uh, so that what your what TFT is doing could now come under the you know conversion therapy, which is complete rot. If you look up the dictionary term of conversion, it's it's nothing like that. You know, as I said before, it would mean if the if the legislation goes through, of course, that Don, Donald and yourself couldn't come to me, Peter, and say, you know, I, I want some, I need a little help, you know, just want to. But what they're saying is, you're not allowed to live your life in a celibate manner, voluntarily, but for the sake of your faith. I mean, that alone is bigoted and wrong in my mind, you know, to stop you from doing what you believe is right for you, not for them. <laughs> so, uh, yes. That's the way I look at it from a, from my perspective anyway. Um, but I never, ever got the impression. To, in fact, TFD is so free and open. People can come and go as they please. And I believe people have come and gone in membership over the years. You know, either they've left because they felt they've got everything they need and they, they've got the support outside. They don't need to be members anymore and things like that. And that's the way I've got it, that the membership kind of not runs it, but it is the is the focus and, and you know, uh, of the whole thing. Not, not It's not run from the top down, you know. Yes, I think that's a really important point, Peter, that... The TFT doesn't chase people down. If, if, if you were part of a group but decided to leave people other than maybe ringing up to check that you were all right, uh, people are not chasing you down and saying, oh, oh, we need you back or what you, the way you're living now is wrong. And, and we work on a principle of consent that is a much more fundamental principle of consent than what is shown in the film. Uh, if if somebody in Jared's circumstances came to us, certainly the voluntary workers that TFT has trained, we would be very aware of looking at somebody like Jared's circumstances and saying, is it the parents that have sent this person? Uh, how much does this person themselves want to have contact with TFT? And we're really, really, really cautious about young people and checking absolutely and completely that they understand that they don't have to come to any TFT things. They don't have to agree with what we say, uh, but that if they come to us, they will be welcomed and accepted and heard. Uh, and I, I hope that, 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 that people, even perhaps our opponents, would recognise the very significant difference that is than the approach that's put across in the film. Yeah, thank you both for making sort of explaining some of the values of TFT so clearly. We're yes, like you say, we are a membership organization. We're not a sort of top-down program imposing ourselves on anyone. And we take safeguarding very seriously, particularly where people have vulnerabilities or because of their, 
you know mental health or their age they 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 you know they need to be protected we we're very serious about making sure that they're um that they're looked after and that their you know that their their views are are really respected um it's been very interesting talking together i just want to sort of come towards a close now but before we finish i'd be interested in what each of you think about whether you'd recommend this film to other people so um peter maybe you first you know and it's a difficult yeah. watch isn't it would you recommend other parents of gay children to watch this film is it a useful sort of conversation start what would you say to it to other parents uh, if we're just saying other parents in tft uh, i would recommend they try to watch it yes i, th- I think it would be um uh, as i say i've seen saw some things in there which sort of uh, resonated with ourselves you know i think you know we were uh, had a mindset similar before our meeting uh, with Martin Hannett in that tent, you know, well, listening to him talking. Um, and so, yeah, there, there are some, there were some things that we even learned from that film, if you like, even though we've already learned the lesson, it enforced it, you know, I thought, gosh, yes, you know, uh, to actually, to actually see it happening um, is, is thinking, gosh, you know, I could have gone down that path, you know, until we were rescued, as Barbara said. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it would be good if they could watch it. I, I think, it, I believe it would be helpful, but obviously, They'd be warned that it should be well warned that there are scenes in there. But of course, it's if it's something coming up, you, you don't think you're like you can always fast forward it and not you probably won't lose the thread of the story, you know. But there's only a couple of bits in there which are not as you'd say the, the the scene, the rape scene, and and the Bible bashing bit, and one or two other sort of pieces where he's cornered and shouted at. And but um, you know, I, I, I think I think we should. It, it's interesting what um. You said about Ed, I remember hearing it yourself and Ed Shaw, Donald, about reading, um, I can't remember how the words you used about reading. Promiscuously. Promiscuously, yeah. I mean, Barbara and I do something similar in a way. We read books that mm, maybe you shouldn't read, but I think if you don't get uh, the thoughts of people from the other side, if you like, you know, then it's difficult to make a com- more complete picture. If you're looking at it only from your own, and that's when you get narrowed and bigoted, when you look at it from your own perspective all the time, only there is only us, you know, but you have to suck it from other people's point of view and get a, at least a taste, as you say, uh, but and with being careful, of course, uh, as to, as to what is being said, and it, then it gives you an idea better how to respond to them because you've got an idea of their thought process. So you're able to, you know, at least chat and comment. I don't mean argue with them. Of course, there's no point in that. But uh, yeah, so I, I would recommend it. Yeah, uh, but with caution, of course. Yes, and I, I feel similar. Um, it, it was a really tough watch for me uh, for for p- picking up those particular personal issues for me, which I, I perhaps thought that I dealt with uh, in some of my own therapy and stuff. So I suppose it was a little bit taken aback that those were things that were so so easily brought up again. Mm. Um, but like you, Peter, I think it's really important for as many of us as are able to be informed what the debate is, if you like, out there in, in the world where people think differently. I think if we want our views and our uh, organisation to be respected, uh, then... I think we want to be understood that this is what we're doing and that conversion therapy and what's portrayed in the film is not what we're doing. So we would ask people to know about our work and be informed about it and understand. So I think we have a sort of moral duty, if you like, to do the same for others. We don't agree with your stance, but we're going to try and understand it. And I think 
if we can understand one another, even if we don't agree, then that can reduce the chance of conflict and um, people getting hurt, which is fundamentally what this is all about, is trying to stop people getting hurt. Uh, so I think that's that's really important. But it is hard, and, and we have to recognise as Christians certain things are difficult and will play into our own weaknesses. And so I could totally imagine uh, saying to somebody, if I knew they had a particular thing, do you know what, this film's going to be really particularly tough for you, maybe sit this one out. And I think it's quite important to be honest with oneself about what those weaknesses are. Um, so particularly that there are unpleasant scenes of bullying. And if that's something that is going to trigger you, either don't watch it or watch it with people that, that know that this is hard for you and who can support you. I think it's a really good thing to watch with other people and have a chance to talk. And I've really appreciated uh, what's gone on in writing the article for Ascend and also in this podcast as well. Having the chance to talk to other people has been really helpful for me putting that film that was difficult initially into a context in which I can understand it and live with it. And um, both feel really comfortable saying the abuse that is shown in that film is dreadful, uh, but that isn't making me feel that I need to change my idea about what the Bible teaches because I can see that those two things are separate and that I can, I can hold my views and teach them compassionately in a way that the film doesn't show. And the fact that other people over there at that time did this appallingly doesn't actually undermine what we're doing now so long as we're really, really careful to do it lovingly and graciously. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so I think as you say in your your um, review, Donald, you know, it's, it's entirely right to be appalled by... Yeah the abuse in this in this film and we don't need to kind of receive it as an attack on tft we need to just um look at it and and be encouraged to to keep going with our safeguarding and our yeah um, all our you know our good practices and make sure that we are teaching well and caring for people well yeah and um and calling out bad practice where where we see it yeah and and in that yeah. sense the film is helpful to us. You know, we, we've, you and I, Stuart, on the board of trustees have done a lot of work around safeguarding. And this film motivated me more. I, I was like, it's got to be watertight now. If this is what people are going to suggest that we're doing, our work's got to be even more watertight. We've got to be even better. We've got to be even more compassionate. It's got to be absolutely right. And if, if that's a positive thing that come out, can come out of it, then great. Well, my thanks go to Donald and Peter for sharing so openly about their personal experiences in the light of the film Boy Erased. I hope you found it thought-provoking. Do please get in touch with us here at True Freedom Trust if any of the themes discussed have affected you personally. You've been listening to the Ascend Higher podcast. For more information and resources, do head to our website at truefreedomtrust.co.uk or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.